0: Coming up on Episode 71 of the Hangtime Podcast, Grantland.com's Jonathan Abrams joins to discuss All-Star Weekend and his in-depth oral history of the malice at the palace, and NBA.com's Drew Packham breaks down the performance of the NBA's rookie class. All that, plus Sekou dispels the myth of getting t-bowed by Jadakiss. Coming up on... Welcome to this week's play by play of the Hang Time Podcast.
1: Joining us now, Hawks executive
2: Arthur Trish.
0: Do you not have privileges with the rookies? You can't make them take care of that? Ooh, you think I'm going
2: to tell Ivan Johnson something? Are you crazy? I value my life. With your host,
0: Gallius Anderson, jumped
2: it down behind his head. Seku Smith. And Lang Whittaker.
1: The NBA's Executive Vice President of Basketball, versus Stu Jackson, is joining us now on the podcast. I wanted
2: to ask you, Stu, the players see you
1: coming. Do they get out of the way now? No,
2: the worst thing that happened to me
1: was uh, caller ID. Sports editor of the nation, Dave Zirin. Only the Knicks for $100 million would sign somebody with one eye and two microfracture surgeries. But
3: shut my mouth, he's our most important New York Jew since Woody Allen.
0: Now it's time for the tip-off.
1: Welcome back from a long and glorious All-Star Weekend in Orlando, Florida. Sekou Smith from NBA.com here in the Hangtime blog. Lang Whitaker, my co-host and uh, partner in basketball crimes, literally. uh, (laughs) Sunday at All-Star Weekend, we played a little basketball. Lang, we were all witnesses. Did you get out of bed today without (laughs) uh, the assistance of uh, two men in white jackets? Or, I mean, you know, how did talking about two handfuls of advil but i got out of bed <laughs> i've been popping them like chicklets since we left uh <laughs> eating them like tic Tacs since we left orlando yeah. uh micah hart our super producer is back there behind the glass along with jerry waller our, our uh, engineer and the man who masters all these controls guys i i just want to get it out there now let's just get this over with uh i got bowed this weekend in florida of all places i got bowed by jadakiss let's I want to set the record straight before the story gets embellished any further. Let's,
2: let, let's start at the beginning of the story, though. Like, so it was Sunday, Sunday morning. Yeah, and uh, Jordan Brand has a um, a gym they've rented out, and they invite a bunch of people out to just have like an open run, basically.
1: And, and shout out to Brian Pacini. Uh, yes.
2: The, um, for inviting us out For
1: inviting us out and making sure I got embarrassed
2: So there's a bunch of people there There's like us and some other guys from NBA.com um, Yeah, John Schumann was there Played well Yeah, Sean um, Powell um, John Abrams is there from Grantland The Basketball Jones guys are there Ben Osborne was there with me from Slam Right um, So there's there's a bunch of different people there Some people I didn't know And then there's some entertainers there uh, I ended up playing in a game against Wale Wale uh, who was really good? Yeah, I, I saw him. He he
1: can, he can get it. He, yeah, I think skills. he played.
2: In, I think he played football in in college. Even Oh, okay, yeah, he's got some high skills. Though you can tell. Yeah, he was like basically playing the point. He was going back and forth between his legs with the ball. He was really he was a good ball handler. Um, he was playing. Um, uh, who else is there? Uh, uh, DJ Clue was there. DJ Clue, yeah, and he um, plays a lot up here in New York. And then Jada Kiss was there, and right. you were on the court. There's two courts. You were on the court with Jada Kiss. Twice. I, I went we went head to head twice actually. Two games. Yes. Right. Yes. And one game, from what I understand, you were guarding him. No, I guarded him both games. Oh both games. <laughs> yes, and we lost both games. The but first one was not from, that
1: dramatic. The second one, unfortunately, for me
2: From one game from what <laughs> I heard he he was shooting a lot and he got really hot. Yes. That's true?
1: Yeah, so let me Michael. let me break it down to you. This second game that I played against Jada Kiss, who's a— a rapper that you know, a lot of people know. I'm sure. He used to, the Locks is the group that he yeah.
2: he rose to fame in. People to, might know him from, like, if they don't know rap, though, they still might know him from. I mean, he was on the commercial with Allen Iverson years ago, too. Yes, that? yes. Yeah. Um, so
1: the the second game we played, I'm talking a tooth and nail affair, Michael. <laughs> I'm talking this is a instant classic, right? We we get down to the end of the game. My team is up. 14-13. And I got the ball in the middle of the lane. I'm driving to the basket. Me being the triple-double machine that I am, I'm you know, I'm trying to facilitate and make sure I dish it off to one of my teammates for the winning pass so you know, or for the winning basket so he gets the glory. I don't you know, I don't want to be a hog. I throw a pass, bounce pass in the lane. It gets deflected. Deflected now. Jada Kiss is at the other end of the court. He is not in front of me. I'm not in fr- you know, next to him. He's cherry picking at the other end of the floor. And and I I I will get footage if I have to
2: prove it with with some video footage. Somebody might already be working on that. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there.
1: He's he's on the other end of the floor. He gets the pass kicked up to him. They're down two. I mean they're down a point, a two wins it. He sh- he shoots a 39-footer. I mean just a ridiculous distance from the from the basket he was. And he made two like that at the start of the game too, so he was feeling it. Um, and he he makes the shot. They win the game. Everybody's tired as I don't know what. I'm talking. I was spitting up liver the entire day. <laughs> That's how out of shape I am.
2: We'd been playing for a long time. Yeah,
1: and yeah. Uh, he he went. He launched into a celebration befitting a World Cup game-winning penalty kick goal. I mean, he, he lost it, jumping in the air, ripped his jersey, you know, his shirt off, chest bumping his boy. And then, of all things, he runs over to the side of court and teabos. <laughs> and I'm telling well, you, the the foolishness that ensued from from Lang and everybody else who was there after that is
2: just despicable. It's, I'll say this: I was on the other court <laughs> playing in a game, and and there was a de- well, we saw, there was a DJ they had there too. And he was playing, so you you know it was kind of you couldn't really hear everything that was happening because there was music loud, you know, and, it's, and you were kind of. I was paying attention to my game. You were in your game. Um, and so I, I, all I saw was uh, I kind of looked up <laughs> and, and I saw you kind of with your head down as Janicus sprinted past you and then Tebowed on the sideline. <laughs> that was, a, it, it, that was Let's that just put it this
1: way. There were a lot of weekends made uh, by me getting bowed, Michael. Like John, Jonathan Abrams, who was out there playing with who was as tired as I've ever seen anybody. He's playing his tail off. He's grinding. He, you know, Jonathan's a tall dude. What is he, he's got to be 6'2". Uh,
2: I mean, probably, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, he's he's a, a very good player. So he's out there grinding away. Man, he wouldn't stop smiling. It was like he, t- he hit the game when shot. So I was like, man, I, I had a bad feel. I had a sneaky suspicion, Micah, that this story would be greatly enhanced by the time the All-Star game tipped off Sunday night at uh, Amway Center. And it did. Because um, <laughs> I'm sitting in the... I'm uh, sitting in the interview room with with Darnell Mayberry from the uh, who covers the Thunder for the Oklahoman, and he turns around with a straight face. I mean, seriously, straight face. And he's like, "So he's like, yo, man, I heard I heard uh, Kish crossed you over and shook you down to the ground and hit the game winning shot this morning." And I said. That ain't what happened, man. (laughs) (laughs) Lang, of course, was the first person to put me on blast on Twitter. I (laughs) I ended up getting
2: a ride back to my hotel (laughs) with Jonathan Abrams. So, John and I walked out of the gym, and <laughs> within about five minutes of walking out of the gym, I'd already tweeted it. <laughs> but uh, I, and, jo- and John immediately put on Janicus on the stereo, <laughs> <in> the car, <laughs> on his iPod. <laughs> That's our new favorite rapper. Uh
1: but he's cancer-tero. It did make for a fan- It it was a fantastic capper to <laughs> what— uh,
2: well, we should say that that whole we were, Ben and I were talking about it there. That was a really fun morning. Just, it, was, it was. It was like the first five minutes of every you know, the first game was like I didn't think I was going to make it through the day. Like <laughs> the pace was so it was like playing against the Suns in two thousand seven <laughs> or whatever. But but it at uh, once everyone kind of got got on that same level of being tired. Yes. Then it was a yes. little better. But there uh, were varying degrees of fun.
1: ability out there, to say the least. It was some guys were 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 much more. Uh, are much better prepared <laughs> to play full court basketball than others. And that's all yeah. I'll say. Um, and
2: there was a lot of, there was a lot of people there filming and, and, uh, cameramen and all this stuff. So, uh, I've already got uh, some people working on finding this footage. It's like getting the Zapruder film. But we're going to find this. Don't be I, surprised when it shows up on the jump on the uh, TV. That's, in a week or two. That's terrible. I need,
0: I need to see this, Lang, because, you know, Sekou used to always tell me how he would dominate down at the JCC. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've just never seen evidence of it. So
2: Listen, I, I, I didn't actually play in a game against Seiku or with Sekou. So no, we, yeah, we were on separate courts. but yeah.
1: Listen, I'm past my prime. There's no doubt about that. Um but it was, it was fun, and I have already uh, petitioned the commissioner, Brian Ficini, uh from Brand Jordan about a rematch in Houston. Um, <laughs> I want J.D. Kiss to bring his best five. <clears throat> I'm bringing mine, and uh, and I started Atkins yesterday and P90X, so I will be ready to go <laughs> uh, when we see him in Houston. Um, I just want to be on your five. Just <laughs> to <be> there again. <laughs> but, Lang, in all seriousness, what were your what's your takeaway from All Star Weekend on and off the court for the for the you know for the league and for the players? Our foolishness aside, of me,
2: what... I mean, what I was following a You know, I think both of us we probably hear from the regular like the average fan on Twitter yeah. during the weekend. You know, like during the events. Um, uh, so it, it's always strange when you're at the actual event or not yeah. strange, but it's hard to gauge it while you're there. Cause you're so wrapped up in everything and doing so. I thought, um, I, I wrote this on the, I did the live blog on slam online during mm-hmm. the game. And I wrote, um, the people working in that arena, that was the, the friendliest, <laughs> uh, arena workers I've ever met or, you know, staff at the event. Yeah. Every person you met was like, hi, welcome to Orlando. Thanks for coming. Da, da, da. Like they were great. Um, I thought that arena was uh, beautiful. Yeah, um, the city of Orlando was a little. It was a little bit spread out, right? Because events were kind of like all over the place, so you had right. to. You kind of either had to have a car or an expense account for taxis to be able to get it to all those places. Um, but uh, as for the game, I thought the game was kind of like what we expect from the All Star Game. It's going to be a um, uh, 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 good game until there's about. A good game for the first two minutes, and then there's a lot of dunking and no defense, and you just hope it's close so it'll turn into a close game at the end.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was uh, – the end of the game is what, to me, will will stick out and just – everybody talks about the players always flipping that switch in the fourth quarter, you know, or the second half, whatever. When they really want to win the game, they, they flip a switch. Right. And, and the fans know it, and uh, the players know it. I thought – Kobe getting his his nose broken by Dwayne Wade on a hard foul. <laughs> I mean, if that's not classic competitiveness in an All Star game, and I and yeah. I kept looking back at the replay because as he's getting cracked in the nose, <clears throat> I was sitting next to the NBA.com's John Schumann, um, who's been on the show a uh, countless times, good good friend of the show here. Um, I, I t- leaned over the shoe and I was like, man, his nose looks jacked, but but we didn't know. That it was broken until later. Like we found, we heard about it later. The yeah. idea that they would be dishing out hard fouls, and there were more than a few hard fouls in this game. Like, and it started early. Like guys were driving to the lane. Durant got fouled a couple times early in the game, where I thought somebody was just going to let him go to the bucket and dunk or whatever. And they, you know, and he was getting dragged down. I thought maybe we're going to get a, a, a start to finish competitive game, but we didn't. You know, it didn't continue like that. The, the lead balloon for the West and. Yeah, they got up big after a while. Um, I wrote about Lang uh, Dwight Howard, who I thought was a fantastic ambassador to for the city of Orlando to all the people who were in town for All Star mm-hmm. Weekend. But it's the same thing I've I've noticed about Dwight throughout this season. Something, and this is I'm not knocking him because he's he's obviously played great all year but something is missing and I and I noticed it in the game as well Sunday night. There's some something missing from Dwight's persona right now like I know he's smiling and he's doing all this stuff
2: but it feels like something is not there. I, I don't know if you noticed that or not but it feels like... He didn't... I thought during the game on Sunday he didn't really seem to have like the eye of the tiger. You know what, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. He, the MVP was his for the taking if he wanted it and he didn't really... I mean he was shooting threes and you know... Um, I mean, yeah, listen, and maybe I
1: was still delirious from getting T-bowed. Maybe I, maybe I didn't see it properly. I don't know. know? I was still delirious from you getting (laughs) T-bowed. So, so was our first guest on the hang tie podcast this week. Uh, he's a guy who had as much fun as you did, obviously Lang with, with me getting, uh, getting the Jada kissed over the weekend. (laughs) Uh, Jonathan Abrams of Grantland is joining us now on the podcast. And, uh, Jonathan, go ahead. You you tell your version of the the me getting Tebow. Maybe that'll clear clear this up because there's rumors floating around that I got crossed over before that, and I know you were standing there. You know I didn't get crossed over before he he hit that shot.
3: All right. Well, this is what happened, guys. <laughs> uh, it was uh, you know Jadakiss and Fake Koo were going back and forth the whole game, talking a bunch of trash. <laughs> Jada uh all right, man, I'm about to about to hit this game winner on you. And then he pulled all of us to stand to the side with the isolation. He waved off my pick. Sekou looked up at him. Then he did this AI crossover. Stepped back three. From
2: It had to be, what was it, 32 feet? Sekou <laughs> said 29 earlier. Yeah, it was deep
1: now. Nah, I'll give 29.
2: him that. Nah, nah. It was a. Uh, Jadakiss was uh,
3: cherry picking. Exactly, I <laughs> he told hit you. The game <laughs> He
1: was totally cherry picking.
3: I, I don't even know if you could say who had a chance to guard him on that play. In all honesty, but I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't uh, diminish the how funny it was to see Jadakiss <laughs> people.
2: That's true. That's. Now, I, John- I, this is going to make for an awesome uh, the oral history of when Jadakiss.
1: <laughs>
2: <team would take laughs> down the road. Now,
1: Jonathan, <laughs> you were on the flight with? When you left Orlando for New York, Jadakiss was on your flight, was he not?
2: Jadakiss was on
3: my flight, uh-huh. and the funny thing was that uh, when we were waiting for luggage, he, he walked up to me, and he, he, you know his voice is it's all raspy, and it's funny, because I, I hadn't even noticed that he was on my flight yet, so he kind of kind of nudged me. go. <laughs> I looked down, I, I like jumped a little, I looked down, and it was, it was Jadakiss and he was like, Yo, you sore dog? Like no, nah, no. Nah. Like I didn't see you at the game
1: yesterday, man, you make it out like at the, the actual all star game. Wow, yeah. oh, man, too sore, just had to let the kids go. <laughs> Lockdown defense would do that to you. Okay? <laughs> when you get locked up like that, it's hard to get out of bed to show up to the all star game, man. Yeah, I say, you, you know, say has one up on him now. Yeah. <laughs> I at least made it to the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> barely. Exactly, making took, it, making it a half the battle. Exactly, it took a lot of icy hot and a, you know two bottles of Advil, but I made it. Uh <laughs> Jonathan Lang mentioned the oral history of the, me getting Tebow. That's that's all funny aside, but the the project uh, you've been working on for quite some time now this, uh on Grantland.com. Uh, the oral history of the the malice at the palace or the brawl or whatever anybody wants to call it, um, it's fantastic read that everybody should should obviously uh, click on and and check out on Grantland dot com. Give us a, an idea of why why you decided to you know tackle this nine thousand pound gorilla and why now like why why this story and why now. You
3: know I was I was hoping that that enough time has lapsed to make people who wouldn't talk about it before more more willing to talk about it and be able to, to paint a clear picture of that night and, and give more insight to to what really happened and you know to be able to also show the ramifications of, of that night in people's career I know that you know it was nobody's you know, favorite subject to talk about and mm-hmm. getting people to talk about it and open up was one of the most you know Things to do I mean I uh, Obviously you were You know Sekou hasn't said yet That he was You know Obviously there At the palace that night Yeah I think Sekou I told him He was my My first interview <laughs> And I think that was You know Before Christmas Right so, I mean it, it took a while To all come together
2: Did you Um, Where were you At the time When it happened John do you remember
3: Yeah I was uh, well, Maybe
2: a Junior I
3: think At USC Maybe a senior
2: Yeah In, in college yeah, I just remember. And, uh, I... Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, I remember. I
3: was I was covering a, a high school football game, and my uh, my friend uh, and she called me and said, you know, you gotta watch this brawl that just happened. Um, you know, so first thing I do is turn on Sports Center, and you know, the my my mouth just you know my jaw just dropped. You know, right. those, those images really. So you know, you know, there, there's not many people you know around our age. You know, we don't have and we don't have you know. You know, there's not a lot of moments where people remember where they were, but, you know, everybody I talked to remember where they were when this happened.
2: Totally. I remember, I mean, because this was before Twitter even. And and really before, like, you know, it was almost even before texting because I just, remember my phone just started blowing up with calls, actual calls, because people were like, you have to go look right now. This is happening. But, yeah. I mean, Seiko and I have talked about it before. But, yeah. that's a question you don't ever have to ask Sekou is where were you when the, when the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, no, uh,
1: jo- Jonathan, who I know you tracked down how many different people, yeah how many different people did you track down for this story? Um, and, and how difficult was it getting some of those people, like you said, to finally open up and talk about it?
3: I um, mean, yeah, I talked to probably about 50 or so people who, who were there that night, you know, mm-hmm. everybody from, Writers and reporters, to players and coaches, and front office guys, and people in the crowd, and ushers and police. And um, I mean, it, it was difficult, and you know, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't get all the people who I, who I wanted to get. You know, Metta oh, right. World Peace, and no, I think there were probably about four people who I really wanted to get who I, you know, asked over and over and just wouldn't comply. Right. And that was Meta, Rick Carlisle, Reggie. And uh no, we got we ended up getting Commissioner Stern at the very end. So yeah, yeah there's about
1: three people. Well now, when I when I saw Bill Simmons uh, during All Star Weekend, Jonathan, he came up to me, walked up to me, Schumann and I were in the hallway at the Hilton, uh, you know, doing the circuit and getting interviews and he walked up to us and he was like, Hey man He was like this oral history of the brawl is coming out and he's like, I'm telling you it's the best thing we've had I mean, he was so he was so fired up about it. It kind of surprised me because I know we you and I talked about it way back when, and then you you did mention that it was going to be coming out at some point. But we, you know, I didn't realize it had generated that kind of buzz and excitement. Uh, you know, at Grantland, I, did as you were going through it and realizing what you had, did did it strike you as wow? This is a this is a story, uh, or this is a version of this story about this event that hasn't been told yet. Well
3: there was a a time when there was one time I think it was maybe a week or two after I talked to you mm-hmm. and um I was like almost ready to, to give up on the score before it had really even gained traction just because people were saying people were saying no. Then I went and I talked to Steven Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um the the Bucks were coming here to play the the Knicks in New York. And uh Steven had I think he, he like the night before and missed shoot around so he wasn't i I didn't get him to shoot around and at the game um you know i learned he was benched so i was like oh man he's probably not going to be in a good mood but it it really opened it up for him and it it almost seemed like he was waiting for somebody to talk to him about it because Mm he he offered a bunch of insight and that was when i knew hey I, i have a story um Jermaine O'Neal. It took going up to Boston a few times before, you know, getting him to agree to talk to me. He was almost as good as Steven. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, those are two of the main guys, and it, they just offered a lot of a lot of insight into their actions from that night, what they were thinking, um, what they saw that other people probably didn't see. You know, what the cameras and the angles we've seen didn't really catch. So, mm-hmm. I mean, just seeing it and you know, seeing the the, the event by so many people and different little things. You know, Mike Brown was really good for the story, too. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, you know, I learned uh, probably about, you know, a hundred new things from that night that I didn't know before.
2: Wow. <laughs> what was uh, what was the most surprising thing to you that you learned while you were working on this? Uh, I don't know if it's surprising, but it was,
3: it was to me, the funniest thing to me uh-huh. was that they had finally, they had finally, uh, this from Steven and the other patients have confirmed this they were finally calmed down in the locker room and it was because they, they still got in the locker room and they were still hot and things had finally you know calmed down people weren't yelling and Ron Artest looked up and said do you think we're going to get in trouble for this <laughs> just a little Stephen Jackson yeah Steven Jackson and Jamal Tinsley's uh said that Jamal Timsy fell out of his chair laugh and it was the only time they laughed the, the whole night. Right. Uh, Jackson was like, man, we're gonna be lucky if we had a
1: <laughs> Well unfortunately for them he was right. Yeah. Um did you in in looking back at it Jonathan and, and obviously you remember where you were when it happened, did the, the the stories you heard and I'm and I'm assuming you had to go back and watch the actual footage from it, I don't know how, I mean, you, how many times you had to go over and watch it just to kind of do your yes, own. Yes, I saw
3: your ugly shirt over and over
1: again. <laughs> <laughs> I told you that shirt was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what, I, uh, I mean, it was 2004, I was a younger guy than I am now, obviously. My sense of fashion was completely, you know, out of whack, I, or either that or somebody stole my clothes and I had to buy that at Walmart, but I was like, <laughs> what was I thinking wearing that shirt? you know, to cover a game. But uh did did the things you saw on the footage, like those 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 things that maybe like you said that people hadn't that hadn't been a part of the narrative before now, did it match up when you looked at the footage and then you see a guy's reaction or see a guy you know what I mean, did did all that stuff kinda come into a different focus for you?
3: Yeah, certainly. And um you know, it's just watching all the footage for the first time in, in years, I mean it doesn't really leave you. It's still just you're you're just amazed but it it just seems like total total chaos going on for, you know, minutes long with, with nothing looking like it's gonna it's gonna break it and you know, what's what's really shocking to me and shocking to, you know, a lot of the people I talked to and you know, obviously it had to be to you who were there and in the middle of it is that, that nobody got seriously injured that night. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's almost the, the the biggest thing that came out of that night is that despite it all, nobody got seriously injured because it really, really, really uh, would have been easy for someone to really got hurt that night.
1: Yeah. yeah that, I I just, uh, I mean, when you, when he called me, when Jonathan called me about it, like, the weird thing about it was, and I, I think I mentioned it to Jonathan, I've had so few real conversations where you just open up about the night and talk about it, and I've seen every guy on the roster who was there that night. Of the, of the Pacers, right. I've seen them countless times. The only guy out of all of them I've ever had an in-depth conversation about uh, the Broadway like, and I'm talking a real heart-to-heart, like, you know, just remember what we saw, was is Jeff Foster. And I did that for a piece I wrote that was for in Slam, Slam. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, because like you said, Jonathan, for so long, it was kind of an unspoken thing. Like, you see each other and you go, you know, oof, you know, you think about it, but you don't want to – It was it was hard to rehash – I'm I'm curious. Did did it seem kind of cathartic for Jo and Steven Jackson those guys to to open up about it? Because for so long people shut them down. They didn't want to, you know whether it was the PR staff or the players themselves, they weren't talking about it.
3: Yeah, um, it it really did to me. Um, especially well, you know Stephen, he's he a pretty good quote um, to begin with. So you yeah. know I was hap- really happy that he opened up to me. And so was so Jermaine. But Jermaine told me a bunch of times, you know, how tough it was for him to talk about it, mm-hmm. how he wanted to, but he didn't know if it was, you know, the right time. Then I, I went up to Boston a couple times, and he was like, you know, I don't want to do it. If I do it, I'm going to have to do it when I'm in a calm setting. I don't want to do it, uh, you know, just, you know, before a game or after a shoot-around. Right. So why don't we, uh, you know, so we ended up doing it on, on the phone when he was in, I think, Chicago. When he was in, you know, the, the right state of mind and to really reflect on that, because it's—I mean, it's tough. Jermaine knows that, that you know, that they think that that team could have won not one but a bunch of championships if they were able to stick together and if they had avoided avoided the brawl. And you know, if you look at it, you know, the, the things aren't aren't really, you know, synchronized. But Jermaine hasn't been a dominant player really ever since ever since the brawl. I know it's two separate things, but
2: it's. Yeah. it's, it's it's, it's true. Um, John, you've also written a lot about the, the Knicks and the Nets this year. Um, what's your take on, I didn't ask you this the other day, but what's your take on Lynn's sanity? Oh man, I'm, I'm loving
3: it. I think, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, a you know, it's a story that gets written and to death, but, um, you know, it's it's actually it's just fun to see the Knicks with the with the actual legitimate point guard. That's been the best thing, uh, yeah. I think, to to come out of it. You know, beyond everything else, you know, you know, his ethnicity or he went to Harvard or the guy the guy a point guard. You know, he can get the ball to people in the right spots, and that was something that the Knicks needed beyond anything else. Uh, so I mean, it's it's fun. They have a deep team. If they can, you know, be able to to get everything together, it's, you know, I think they can do some damage in the
1: playoffs. Jonathan, do you feel like the you know normally the All Star break is a real natural divider of the season? Like you know we you watch everybody kind of work through the kinks early on, and then you get the All Star weekend, and then now you get a chance to watch the the legitimate playoff teams really focus and lock down going into the second half. I, I got the feeling being in Orlando that every like everything else this season, it was way too soon to have All Star weekend and and. Yeah. I don't know if this feels like the same to me as in terms of that stretch run of the season. Do you Do you feel like we've seen enough from the teams who are in that playoff realm now to really, you know, identify who we think are teams that are going to be contenders and who teams are, you know, the teams that are going to be playoff uh, teams and all? I mean, have we had enough time for that?
3: Uh, I mean, I, I think we have. I think we know for the most part who's going to be good and who's not from playoff time. They'll probably be. You know, a team or two who, who comes out of nowhere. I think, you know, Memphis was a team last year that came out of nowhere mm-hmm. that really surprised a lot of people. Uh, but you know, it, it is funny. It, you know, I think, you know, it was like the second week of the season when you're voting for all stars already, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: <Yeah, it's, yeah. laughs> and we got the what the the trade deadline now is a month away, and then the playoffs are, are right after that. Um it's it's very weird we always you know you always hear the n b a seasons a marathon not a sprint, but i mean to me this i don't know about you guys this feels like a sprint that we're in the middle of yeah i mean I definitely feel that way and uh
1: Jonathan, one last thing before we let you get out of here dwight Howard's name was you know we were talking I talking about him before you came on and his name's obviously on the minds of a lot of people going into the trade deadline what is your what's your best guess on what happens with dwight you know, between now and and March 15th?
3: I think he winds up, or the Magic wind up keeping him as my best guess. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we haven't really seen a team call a player's bluff since all this, uh, since this kind of trend of the star players trying to get out of their contracts the year it started. You know, we saw what happened with Darren and Carmelo. We saw, you know, obviously Chris Bosch and LeBron, they left their teams the year before, but, you know, they never really demanded a trade. You know, the teams were still hoping to keep them. I would I would like to see the Magic call his bluff and kind of say, you know, okay, you really want to leave. Well, then also leave without, you know, this extra $30 million. We, I don't know if a player push comes to shove actually gives that up when, when they're called on it.
1: That's a good point. We we're going to find out. Um we're also going to uh make sure people know where to find the fantastic work of uh Jonathan Abrams of grantland.com and uh definitely you need to check out this oral history of the brawl. Um Jonathan, appreciate it, man. I I, I am rounding up my my five for Houston for for next year at All-Star. So I'm I'll be sending out applications um you lang Schumann, y'all are already on the squad if you accept it's like mission impossible you get a you know you get some sunglasses <laughs> in the mail and if you choose to accept this mission you know but I need, get, I need i need to get, get, get my we vengeance got to play before that yeah i mean but i need to play at, uh,
3: at finals
1: yeah well that's just warm ups i mean that's just a warm up for <laughs> for vengeance
2: 2013 um <laughs> i just actually i just got an email while we were while we were on here with Jonathan that uh there there should be video surfacing by uh, tomorrow oh uh, no nah. <laughs> i'm not i'm shutting my computer off if this stuff is all
1: i'm over. working harder on
2: finding the video of this than i am of any of the actual work i have to do
1: <laughs> ah y'all are terrible man but listen we appreciate it johnson man thanks for coming on with us man
3: all right thanks guys i appreciate it
1: all right thanks, John. Jonathan abrams of grandland.com lang you know I, I you know you find out who your real friends are when, <laughs> when and, you know when you I'm going to get, get
0: this video and
2: destroy it just this, for you. Yes.
1: I was going to say, this is a sucker punch <laughs> to the ego.
0: Can I just see it first before you do that? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how
2: much money Sekou's got. <laughs> how much disposable cash is available.
1: Uh, Micah, I, and, I, and I should uh, – Lang and I went to Orlando all weekend, so like he said, it's different when you're at the event. Yeah. What did All-Star – what did it look like to you? Like, What did All-Star weekend look like from, from a distance?
0: Well, I have to say uh, I agree with what you're saying about – the fourth quarter I feel like going into any all-star game all I really want is for it to be close enough in the fourth quarter that the guys will get their competitive juices flowing yeah totally I mean that's really you know from a fan's point of view I feel like the the dunks are awesome it's great to see guys you know doing you know great feats of athleticism I suppose but the the reason why the Olympics are so great the reason why people love the World Cup things like that is that you see the best players in the world playing as hard as they can all in one game so when it got close late in the in the fourth, uh, that was definitely like, all right, this is this is what fans really wanted to see. So I definitely enjoyed that. Saturday night, you know, I, I think we've seen better. Uh three point contest I enjoyed, although my boy Durant kinda kinda gave it away a little bit. I was a little disappointed in that. But uh, you yeah, know, overall I thought it was a you know, we we can talk about the dunk contest if you want, but
2: uh We haven't you know what we haven't talked about at all is Friday night, which was Going into the weekend, I, I had heard that was, like, the hottest ticket of the weekend, um, the Rising Stars Challenge um, mm-hmm. with, with Jeremy Lin, and, like, that was the big story. And I, and from what I had heard, like, people, <laughs> the scalpers were, like, they were out trying to trying to get those things going. So, um, and I thought that game was fun. Um, I, did Shaq ever jump off the, the thing he was supposed to jump off for losing the bet? I don't know. I I thought
1: I heard somewhere in – there was so much,
2: you he know. He was supposed uh, to do, like, a bungee jump thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. There was so much on the uh, TNT and NBA TV airwaves. I thought I heard something about Shaq saying he would dress up as, the like, the blue man group. Like, he was going to do
2: inside <laughs> blue from head to toe if his team lost. Oh, well, What I had saw was, was Shaq had suggested uh, that whoever lost was going to have to go to, to Kissimmee, Florida, which is right around the corner from Orlando. And there was, a, on the side of the road somewhere, there was, like, a huge bungee jump thing uh called the swinger and you have to jump off and you you know you fall something like 300 feet or whatever some crazy thing um and the and and Barkley was like yeah I'll do it I'll I'll totally do it they had footage of it and that the loser was gonna have to jump off that thing Ernie asked if there was a weight limit on the the (laughs) but the the loser was gonna have to jump off that and and I don't know what happened there I don't know
0: I never saw footage of I mean I feel like if they had gone through it we certainly would have seen it because they were definitely showing that uh or the, maybe the they'll, jump they'll thing over do and over it again. He was going to we'll, do it. It, it was sort of like they would all do it if if they would all agree to do it, and they'd all do it. Him, C Web, and uh, and Chuck were going to do it, and they were trying to convince Arnie to do it, but he wasn't having any of it. Yeah, I mean, I think
2: maybe we'll see that at some point on TV. Yeah, I, I
1: you know, the the White story is obviously one two guys that's going to be, you know, on everybody's mind. Leading up to the uh, deadline, Lang, what do you, what do you guess? I mean, Jonathan said he thinks, or at least he'd like to see Orlando call his bluff.
2: What do you What do you think happens with Dwight between now and then? We talked about this on on TV uh, on the beat on Friday, and and Da had a pretty good point that um if you are if if Dwight is going to leave and you're Orlando, um, instead of trading him and getting back a bunch of cap room and things, you might not necessarily, I mean, cap filler basically guys who who could play but you know you're getting taking money back maybe right. it's better if you if you do it almost the way Cleveland did and you end up with draft picks um and you end up with a Kyrie Irving and a Tristan Thompson and, and space and room to add guys to that you know instead of just taking on stuff you might not necessarily want long term uh, my guess is <clears throat> if I was Orlando I would try to keep him I, my, I've said all along that um you know sinners don't grow on trees <laughs> there's a reason everybody wants dwight uh, and you've got him right now so you know, if you're going to add guys around him uh that's the way to go instead of instead of trying to f- figure out a whole different way i mean your whole franchise has been looking at this for a long time and uh, this is the way they've tried to build it and i think you you, you keep going that direction uh, that's my but i so my guess is they keep him but i i don't that's based on zero facts and <laughs> complete intuition i don't know what's going to happen
0: you know, Seiko. You talk about how he just kind of seemed off. You know, I, I never, I never want to like. You know, it's hard. It's hard from a fan's point of view to feel bad for a guy that's making that much money, well, I know. And, like, I know. The game, whatever. But at the same time, like, I don't know how you deal with being in that situation. You know, you're the All Star Weekends in the city. You oh, have yeah? to give the address yeah. to start the game. Oh yeah, saying how much you love. I mean, any t- anything like that where you have to say something that either you clearly don't believe. Or, you know, or everyone knows that there's something going on behind it. Like, I don't know how you would – I don't know how I would have handled it any better than he did. He yeah.
2: got a huge ovation, like, when during the introductions, you know, when, when they announced yeah, Dwight. Yeah, I mean, there, all, all of that is – I mean, like I said, all of that is
1: – and, I, and again, I i wasn't criticizing Dwight, guys, when I said that something was off. I just said, I don't see something like a – there's a certain kind of bounce and spark that Dwight always has. Um did I did, and I've noticed it watching Magic games throughout this season. Like, and and these are games where he goes for twenty and, 24 and nineteen. Yeah, he just—I mean, it's—it's it's like I don't know if it's just the the weight of his situation and the and the having the trade deadline looming the way it, it is, or or what. Um, because I I repeatedly praised the Magic and Dwight for being able to maintain the position they have in Eastern Conference standings and in the league with all this stuff swirling around him. Um, but it, it hit – it really hit me over the weekend just noticing. I had a I, – I blogged about this late Sunday night. I had a conversation with a guy up in the section where we were sitting um, mm-hmm. at the game Sunday, an, an arena worker who was – man, I mean, I read it – and he and I got a, had a conversation. I was complimenting him on the arena. And he was uh-huh. kind of, yeah, you know, you've never seen a place like this. And Staples doesn't have a full service restaurant like that. And, and I was just like, you don't have to sell me, you know. And he was telling me how big, a, you know, how much of a palace it was and how they had done all this for Dwight. But uh, and then he launches into and I can't believe, you know, a guy would leave all this for Brooklyn or, you know, or L.A. or whatever. He's, you know, when you're the biggest attraction in town, bigger than Mickey, Mickey, you know, bigger than Disney. And I'm going, I I don't know either. I don't. I don't know what would be, you know, at work in your mind if you decided that you want to leave that. I also can see Darren Williams out there as a potential free agent going somewhere and, and a big man saying, LeBron's got Wade and, and Bosh, you know. Uh, Chris Paul's got Blake Griffin. You know, Durant and Westbrook have each other. Kobe's got, you know, Bynum and and Gasol right now. I mean, who? if you're Dwight and you're looking at your situation, you know, Derrick Rose even has another all-star now with Luol Deng. Um, You know, and if you're Dwight, you're the only guy left wondering who's your, who's your counterpart, who's your second star, who's yeah. the other superstar that you're going to run with that's going to give you a chance to compete with all these other guys you know from all-star games and Olympic teams and what have you. You have to be thinking to yourself if you're Dwight, this isn't just about the 30 million dollars. This is about whether or not I have a chance to, you know, to genuinely compete for a championship on the same playing field with these other guys, or whether or not I'm literally going to have to do it by myself. And I, yeah. and to me, Lang, that's what's—that is the 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 crux of his, you know, dilemma right now is just how do you answer that question?
2: And I don't know if he has the answer for it. Yeah. You know, he seems like he, he said something over the weekend about I, I don't know what's going to happen, and yeah. we had Darren on on the beat with us too, and and we had we asked him, Da kind of <laughs> asked him when, when they played in uh, Jersey against Orlando a couple weeks, a couple days ago, if he uh, had any dinner plans the night before <laughs> with the, <laughs> with, a, with any, anybody. He was like, no, no, just ate at home. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think there's a couple of these guys that we kind of going to figure out what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean you, you hate to you hate to to beat it beat it to you know, like crazy but uh you know it, it's it's interesting uh Lang, you mentioned the the rising stars challenge um and i can't believe we've made it this far in the NBA season without talking rookies on the show um, yep. thankfully drew packham is a is a warrior and bo- burns both ends of the candle nba.com's rookie ladder guru himself is joining us now on the podcast. Uh Drew, thanks for getting up, man. I know I know you you keep late hours. Um <laughs> so we appreciate you getting up and hanging out with us for a minute.
3: Hey, anything for you guys. How's it going?
1: Good, man. Good. <laughs> um the the rookie class has kind of been overshadowed by a guy who's a technically a rookie but you know, obviously been a pro for a while. Um, Ricky Rubio, who's who's having a fine season. But this weekend, Drew, I finally got a really good look at Kyrie Irving. And I want to take all the questions I had about him and whether or not he'd be a a, a great NBA player and have somebody smack me over the head with him. Um, <laughs> because, well, I mean, not- I did, I didn't I didn't realize the size and ability – combination he had until this, until Friday night.
3: Well, you're not, you're not the only one. I get a lot of emails of from Rubio fans. Uh-huh. You know, just saying how how could you possibly have Irving above Rubio? And you know, it's it's apparent that these people haven't seen Irving play enough, <laughs> you know. Because <laughs> if, if you watch Irving and just give him an eye test and see some of these games that he's played, it's it's pretty clear that he's He's worthy of my number one spot, which is where I have him and have had him for most of the season. Yeah. You know, it's not that Rubio's not having a great season. He's he's right there, you know, with Irving. Yeah, I mean, the guy's third in the league overall in assists. So, I mean, you know, Rubio's right there. But some of the things Irving's done, especially in, the, in crunch time, mm-hmm. I mean, he's been big down the stretch of games, which is huge. So... Yeah, Irving's having a great season, and I think this was a a chance for him to let everybody see him, and that was great for him.
2: What have you thought? Well, Sekou mentioned it. I I thought Rubio was awesome in the game the other night because he basically played the same way he plays in a regular season game, (laughs) like behind-the-back passes. He threw like a three-quarter court behind-the-back pass and going through guys' legs and and stuff like that. What have you thought about uh, seeing Ricky so far this year, Drew? I mean –
3: you just you just never know what to expect from him. And every game he does something where you're just kind of like, your jaw drops a little bit, and you're like,
1: I can't believe
3: this. You know, it's just, it's kind of like, I, I don't want to compare him to Jeremy Lin, but it's like you don't, you keep expecting him to maybe not keep doing it. Yeah. And, but he does, he just keeps doing the same thing every game, you know, and it's like people keep expecting him to maybe not, maybe fail and yet every game he does something that just, you know, blows you away, you know, going between DeMarcus Cousins' legs or whatever it was, you know. (laughs) I mean, that was just
1: sick. (laughs) Drew, what – I want to hesitate grading anybody this season, rookies or anyone else. Um, But who do you – who's sticking out to you right now in terms of a guy who's exceeding whatever expectations you might have had for him?
2: Um,
3: well, obviously I didn't have much expectation for Irving because I just hadn't seen him play in college. Mm-hmm. So he blew me away. But um, some of these other guys that, you know, we have a lot of role-playing rookies that are playing big minutes for contending teams that have really surprised me, you know, and – I think Norris Cole is one that kind of came out of nowhere for me. I mean, I knew that he was a scorer, but I didn't know how big of a role he was going to play on the Heat. But, I mean, he's playing, you know, 20-plus minutes, and they're big minutes for them. I mean, he's been huge. Yeah. And, you know, in that same line, you know, a guy like Andrew Goudelock for the Lakers, I mean, he's one of their best players off the bench. And this is for, you know – Contending teams yeah. So Got Definitely came out of nowhere For me As far I'll as I'll tell you A guy just kind of Surprised
2: me um, And I, I I saw him this weekend Was uh, Marshawn Brooks And I I know he was a, a big scorer in, in college But um, I And I know You've got him Pretty high on your On your rookie ladder Drew but Marshawn Brooks Seems like he's kind of Taken a lot of people By surprise as well
3: Oh yeah I mean And that guy can score And there's just Some kind of like there's a swagger about Brooks where he just he knows he can score and he just isn't afraid of anything else, you know. Yeah. And you know he's playing for the Nets, obviously, but still he's he's right now you know him and Williams in the backcourt. They're they're a dangerous backcourt. Yeah. So he's been he's been great.
1: Drew, on the on the flip side, has there been a, anybody that you think, for whatever reasons, hasn't really? shown you what you thought you'd see right now. And, and before you answer, I, I got to tell you, watching Derek Williams Saturday night in a dunk contest reminded me, like, I've forgotten how ridiculously athletic he is and the fact that, how you know, how impressed I was with him during the tournament last year. He's had Rubio on his squad. I had to look his numbers up just to see how much he's played. And, I mean, it's so easy to lose track of guys sometimes if they're not getting the minutes and that sort of thing. So I'm just curious, is anybody out there that we should have our eyes on for maybe the second half of the season who hasn't really had a chance to blow up or hasn't shown us much yet?
3: Yeah, you know, I'm like you. I thought Williams would be a lot better. I mean, I knew he wasn't going to see big-time minutes, you know. He's getting about 18 to 20 a game or something like that. You know, and that's a a minute thing with him, Mm -hmm. you know. So I expect him to do, you know, maybe – more than that down the stretch, but, you know, and this is the time of season when guys will start seeing more minutes, you know, mm-hmm. as these losing teams, you know, start looking toward the future, you know, maybe their coaches start giving them more playing time. So, you know, maybe a guy like a Clay Thompson, if the Warriors kind of, you know, cash it in, maybe they say, okay, Clay, we're going to start playing you some more and see what you can right. do. Um, you know, and that kind of thing will happen a lot. So I I would look at someone like Clay Thompson. Um, I like uh, I want to see. I'm hoping that the Jazz rookies see some more playing time because when they've played, they've done well. That's Ennis Canner and uh, Alec Burks. Yeah, you know, and uh, I, I see good things out of both of those guys. It's just that they don't see enough minutes. You know? Well, like so,
2: even like an Isaiah Thomas has recently kind of broken into the lineup there and and started to get. I think a lot of people are taking notice of him recently.
3: Yeah, and that's the thing where it's a coach just t- kind of taking a chance. You know, he's yeah. like, I don't, I don't know what else to do, so I'm going to put in this Isaiah guy and see what he can do. And then he, you know, he 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 shows that that's what they needed is this, you know, distributing point guard. And that's that's exactly what we might start seeing with other teams, you know, as coaches take chances on some of their rookies. Yeah. So that's great to see out of the Kings.
1: The... Uh... The overall rookie class so far, what if you had to give them a grade just as a group in terms of contributions and and production where, where would you where would you rank these guys right now drew
3: um, Well, you can't give them too high of a grade just because there's only there's only really you know two guys that are like really really just far and away ahead of the class mm-hmm. but as far as like depth, there's a lot of guys making big contributions. And like I said, especially on contending teams, which is nice to see. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'd have to give it, you know, somewhere in the B minus range or something like that. It's not great. It's not. I don't know. It's not anything spectacular. But as far as like, you know, amount of guys putting up numbers, mm-hmm. I think it's an all right class.
1: Right. It's right.
3: Fun to watch. I love watching these guys.
1: Yeah, you wrote, listen. You wrote about a guy last week, and it's it's funny. You, you wrote about Kenneth Fareed of uh, Denver uh-huh, last yep. week, and it was like literally. This, this tells you that, you know, great minds might not ex- think exactly <laughs> like, but at least on the same topic. I was telling somebody on the phone the night before you wrote uh, the the piece about Kenneth Fareed that man, this, uh-huh. I didn't realize Fareed had hops like this. Like cause they they were showing an alley oopy caught. It was a replay of the alley oopie caught from uh, Rudy Fernandez. Yeah, uh-huh. and um. It's it was like I started thinking about it. Every time I see Fareed, he's going up and catching an oop or getting, you know, a sky for a rebound. And his his reputation coming out of college was a lot like Paul Millsaps. Well, he's a great rebounder, but he's not, the you know, the greatest athlete, da, da 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 And then you see him in the league and you find out, which I love, you know, you find out a guy has a whole lot more to his game than you thought. Fareed's the kind of guy that I'm, I'll be curious to see what he does the second half of the season, whether or not he cranks it up and keeps – keeps playing well and maybe sees more minutes um and that sort of thing. And and then another guy I saw in Orlando for the first time in person was uh Chandler Parsons. Um uh-huh. in in the s I think he was in the uh the higher uh, shooting shooting stars competition. I didn't yeah. realize Parsons was that big a dude. I mean he's he I, I see now why he's had so much success his rookie year. Physically he's a big enough dude to to take the pound in the NBA so um I'm de- I'm definitely looking forward to this the second half of the season and uh checking out the rookie ladder and all the work you do, man. We you know how much we appreciate it. And uh hey, thanks, man. and uh you know if if you ever wanna, you know, burn it at both ends and wake up early and talk to us, man, on the podcast, just let let Micah know. We'll we'll be sure to call you and wake you up. <laughs> Anytime, guys. <laughs> all I love right.
3: talking rookies, you know that.
1: No question, man. Drew Packham, uh our rookie Guru on NBA dot com Lang. Now Lang before we'd be remissing our duties as uh hoops hoops lovers if we spent all this time talking about All Star Weekend and didn't touch on the uh, Sprite Slam Dunk contest won by Jeremy Evans of Utah. By uh, four million fan votes were uh, tabulated on NBA dot com Lang. Uh and he edged out Chase White men can jump Buttinger uh, <laughs> with, uh, with the the dunk where he jumps over Gordon Haywood in a chair and dunks two balls in at once. So, I mean, props to Jeremy Evans for bringing out something that we hadn't seen um, in the contest before. But were you, did you have as sour a taste in your mouth with the with the entire event as some of the fans did on Twitter and some of the – some of the, the other players around the league did if you read some of their tweets after the contest i mean did what
2: what what you think of the uh, the entire sprite slam dunk contest I didn't think it was the worst dunk contest ever, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of people were, you know, that's like the the easy thing to say right. and to be snarky and to, you know, <laughs> we we have this and Twitter kind of encourages this. I think people have this uh, tendency to want to, you know, immediately rate something as the worst thing they've ever seen. Like the yeah. Oscars too, this last night or whatever. So um, I didn't think it was the worst dunk contest ever. Um, I, I I didn't like not having judges round by round because – when you have the judges or, or even if it's fans or, or whoever it is, celebrities, whatever, when you have judges each after every dunk, then the next guy knows what he has to beat or not beat. You know what I mean? Like, right. so there's a something there to, to kind of go off of. I, I didn't like that. You, it was just a big contest and then you have a winner and, um, you don't know how the other guys did. I also, I thought, um, the, the dunk Paul George did that, that Tron dunk where he had the black lights and they turned off the lights in the arena yeah. and everything. Uh, in the arena, it, was, it wasn't that impressive-looking or cool-looking. Right. You know? But on the scoreboard, when you saw the replay of yes. it, it looked pretty cool. Yes. <laughs> so there's something there to be said, I think, about how s- stuff might not translate from one to the other um, a little bit. What, what was your take on it?
0: Well, Lang, you said it wasn't that impressive-looking in the arena. On TV, it wasn't looking, period. You literally <laughs> couldn't see the dunk. And oh, then really? And all of a sudden, you hear – you know, Kenny, and they'll be like, "Oh, that was great! I didn't even know he dunked it." Are you serious? Uh, yeah, I couldn't tell. I mean, I saw that he was obviously wearing, you know, the glow in the dark stuff, but when yeah. he actually went uh, and did... took the dunk, it was dark; you could not see it.
1: See, and that that would explain Lang. I was I was flipping out after that dunk. I was like, I don't. I was like, man, did people realize he did a three sixty and then cupped it at the end? And you no, know, they didn't. <laughs> and did the cradle rock? I was like, so to me, that to me, that dunk was the win. I was like, that that does it. Cause it was, you know, it had the create, the creative aspect with the, you know, the glow in the dark outfit. And Paul George has some shoes on. I don't know, Lang. I know you got friends in high places at Nike. You need to call somebody <laughs> and find out what kind of space boots he was wearing. I need, I need a pair of those.
2: Um, <laughs> I'll follow you around with a black light. Man, those, just, things, <laughs> those things were cold blooded. I was like, I need a pair of those right there. But well, on the scoreboard after he dunked, they showed the, re- they showed like yeah. a slow motion replay, and, and I, I couldn't. On the scoreboard, it looked pretty cool, but I, I, I wasn't watching the, the. TNT broadcast. So yeah, I, could, I didn't. Yeah.
1: All I know is the replays I saw, and then when you go back on NBA. dot com and look at the the clips, the the dunk was much more impressive than he got credit for because so much was made about turning the lights off. The thing I I felt like, and I talked to a couple different people, um, my son, who's uh, you know is fishing out on these things, yeah, uh, he he gave some expert critique. He was like, "What's with all the? What's with the the skit?" He was like, "It felt like a play." You know, and that there was so much conversation and talking that that took away from some of the actual dunks themselves because they spent so much time setting it all up. And I, I agree. I think the the vote, the panel of judges, Doctor J, Dominique, yeah, Jordan, if he if he would ever do it, I mean, they all need to have permanent seats on the dunk contest panel. Vince, whenever he's done playing, is welcome to join the the, the panel. Let him do it now. You know, Daryl Dawkins yeah he can wear one of his fantastic suits out there and sit i mean they there needs to be a judge with a comment or at least holding up a card after these dunks as opposed to just fan voting.
0: Where do you guys sit on the subject of they should get one chance or two chances per dunk or they should have you know as many chances to get it right? Cause i feel i don't like... I
2: don't care i think they they take as many as they need to get it right, but Obviously, it's going to work against them the more chances they take. Yeah, you'll
1: pay for it. That's part of the risk. Exactly. I think you pay for it. I I don't think it's a matter of time. Like, I don't think it's this thing that everybody wants it sped up and hurry up and dunk so we can see the next dunk. Yeah. I think the instant reaction is what was most startling, you know, and what to me was the most glaring omission Saturday night is there were dunk Like, Jeremy Evans wouldn't have made it to the finals of some dunk contests with the with is with his first dunk that he admitted was not what you were looking for. There were you know I understood what he was going for. It just didn't translate. That was a that was a sports science thing. Like see, yeah. look at the view. Blah, blah. No man, people want they want to see a funky dunk and they want to see people in the arena on their feet when you do it. But I'm telling you that all star crowd has been so spoiled yeah. over the years in dunk contests. It is hard to get them out of their seats.
2: There, I always go back to. I think it was the one Seattle between Jordan and Dominique. Mm-hmm. Or no, it must have been the one in Chicago where Dominique got robbed. But it, <laughs> th- th- there was one point where Jordan came in and did some. Maybe it was a free throw line dunk or you know something really impressive. And Dominique goes up to respond, and he just walks up, dribbles the ball, gets to about the free throw line, just kind of standing there, takes one dribble and does a two handed windmill <laughs> that is so powerful, yes, you know, and amazing that everyone it was so simple but it, sometimes i think there's something to be said for simplicity and and power you yes. know that we don't get to see often enough instead of always jumping over things um you know just just do it so to speak and and do it with a little bit of uh power
1: yeah i mean everybody
2: had a prop um, Yeah.
1: i made a joke about that the other day like literally when the props are bigger stars than the guys dunking you have that issue as well um and the fact that Blake Griffin and LeBron could have won the last three or four dunk contests with the first six minutes of dunks they did in Sunday night's game isn't you know if if they don't we got to talk somebody to get them to at least get in it one time I want to see LeBron and I know it's been beaten I want to see LeBron just once in the, in the NBA's slam yeah. dunk contest. See,
0: what I'd like to see is I mean keep keep the Saturday night dunk contest that's fine it, it's kind of like Saturday Night Live at this point I feel like people just love to hate <laughs> on it but I'd like to see a prize given every year to the best dunk in the in all-star In the game, game, yeah. And then maybe you'd get to see, you know, people rewarded for some of the creativity that you see on Sundays.
1: Yeah. Le- Le- I'm telling you, LeBron had three or four. Yeah, totally. On, like, full speed, on the run. You know, and it's like, really? like
0: Russell Westbrook seemed like he was having his own personal dunk contest. Yeah. Well,
1: I was asked during the game uh, by a man in a high place here to – here at, at NBA.com, if I had a wish list of guys to put in my dunk, you know, my dunk contest that I wanted to see, who would it be? And he was like, "Give me four guys." And I said, "I'll give you three right now that I know I'd want to see, and you could pick a fourth, and I wouldn't care who it was." You give me LeBron, Blake Griffin, and Russell Westbrook, and tell them, uh, "Here's a million dollars cash sitting in the middle of the floor. Best dunker wins this money. You walk, you put in you take your jersey off, put the money in your jersey, and walk out of the arena with it right now." And and I, I think that contest also any day you, of the week.
2: You also say publicly, you, the winner of this thing gets a million dollars and we're going to match it for charity of their choice. Yes. To yes. put a little more pressure on more whoever. Pressure on them to do it, yeah. yeah. No question. I, I think that would be
1: – I'd love to see LeBron and Blake Griffin have a dunk off. But to me, if you throw Westbrook into the mix, because he had a dunk in the game that wasn't – it wasn't the creativity factor wasn't there, but he had one where he cocked it back behind his head, Lang. Yeah. And he went up to the rim – and I'm telling you, his, his forehead was was rim level. Was that the one
2: toward the end of the game where – there there was one like in the last two minutes where
1: – No, that was it, the one where he came through and dunked yeah, on everybody. They,
2: they ran a play for uh, yes, somebody. Maybe it was Kobe. <laughs> they ran him off a double screen and, and they couldn't get it. And Nash or whoever was playing, Paul, just kind of – Westbrook cut through the, yeah. the weak side and he flipped it to him and he just tomahawked it yeah. down the middle of the paint.
1: I I know people get a little fatigue from, you know, All-Star Week and they think, oh, the players aren't playing that hard, blah, blah. I leaned over at least twice during the game and, and reminded Schumann. I was like, man, do you realize how good these cats, like, they really are. Yeah. I mean, when you see the Sunday night game and you see how good these cats are, I mean, Darren Williams coming off the bench and banging threes, like, <laughs> I mean, it, it was just preposterous how good.
2: <laughs> I wrote in our, I was, I was doing the live blog, and I wrote that, like, after we played that morning, you know, because <laughs> to bring this all together, we played Sunday morning, and we played full court for about an hour and a half, and, um, you know, watching then watching those guys go out and play, um, yeah. and even though they're not playing full speed, you know, they're maybe playing, you know, 90%, 80%, whatever. Um, uh, just the general fitness level <laughs> of, of those guys and the general athleticism of those guys, it's, it, it's hard to be impressed by it night after night, but just Sunday night watching those guys, it was, it was kind of reinforced to me that the, you know, these are the best athletes in the world that we're going to watch up close without question. I, I think, uh.
1: I think the distance between what went on Sunday morning and what went on Sunday night is uh, <laughs> is traveled in light years. So, <laughs> yeah. but uh, but that's the beauty of it, and and I hope everybody got a chance to soak up All Star Weekend and get ready for the uh, second half of this NBA season. Lang, we we certainly did uh, on the air and, and and here on the Hang Time Podcast and. We're looking forward to it, as, as everyone else is. We need to thank uh, our guests, of course, Jonathan Abrams from Grantland.com. Make sure you check out his oral history of the the brawl uh, on Grantland today. And uh, very, very good stuff. And also, Drew Packham of the NBA.com Rookie Ladder uh, for joining us here on the podcast this week. Next week, we'll get back at you. Um, maybe we'll have some of that Zapruder film of me getting bow, Maybe not. Let's <laughs> hope not. And uh, – We appreciate you joining us as always. Glad to be back from All-Star Weekend. Looking forward to the rest of this thing. We'll see you next time on the Hangtime Podcast.
2: Later.
3: Thanks for listening to the Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com. You can follow Seiku and Lang on Twitter at SekouSmithNBA and Lang with us. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do you